Folks, I want to welcome you to another episode of Life Around the Fire. My name is David Utari, and I'll be your host today. We are a podcast that is devoted to spiritual growth. And when I'm talking about spiritual growth, what I'm referring to is growth in our relationship with God and in our relationships with one another. What I'd like to do today in this episode is begin the process of wrapping up one particular area that we've been focusing in on for quite some time, and it pertains to a statement that Jesus made in one of his sermons, the Sermon on the Mount. It's a sermon that he delivered early on in his public ministry, and there was a large group of people that had traveled for quite some distance from the surrounding areas throughout Israel and even across the Jordan, where word had traveled that someone was performing miraculous signs and wonders. And also, when they would teach, what they were teaching was so compelling and so powerful that it was like telling people's stories about their life without their permission. (laughs) Kind of like reading someone's mail before they even got the mail themselves. Jesus was speaking in such a way that people would marvel. And they would say, we've never heard anything like this before. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in the presence of a really masterful teacher. Someone who's just really skilled, gifted at what they do. If you haven't, when you are in that when you're in the presence of someone like that, it's absolutely staggering because they can say a sentence and it's how they say it, the timing of the way in which they say it makes all of the difference between when someone else says something and they say something, when they have authority It rings true, even though they are saying exactly the same thing as someone else. It's just the way they're saying it carries a significant amount of difference. Jesus had that ability to captivate thousands of people all at the same time, and each person would feel as though he was speaking just to them. I've had that occasion take place. I've had that happen on several occasions. And it 
is absolutely amazing. In fact, on more than one occasion, I've asked a person, were you talking directly to me? And to their surprise, they said, no, in fact, I didn't even really see any one particular person at all while I was talking. And that just indicates that sometimes when God is giving someone something to say, even though there are hundreds and thousands of people around, it's as though you are hearing it and it's just you and that person alone. That's powerful. That's authority. That's being able to arrest someone's attention, so to speak, and captivate it and hold it. And Jesus had that ability. And there were throngs of people that were coming from all over listening to what he had to say, but also seeing what he had to do because he would demonstrate what he was talking about. He would declare that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God was at hand, meaning it was right in the midst of the people that were there. And then he would prove the fact that that was the case by seeing people who were blind. He would give them new sight. People that were leprous, they were cleansed. People that were infirm, their infirmities were gone. People that were crippled would be completely healed from their illnesses. Jesus was demonstrating the words with the works. They were joined together. The word and the works were being presented, and Jesus was showing that this was the heart of the Father. This is what God really looked like. And so people were coming from all over, and one of the statements that Jesus made in this particular sermon is a statement that we've been parked on for quite some time, and it's this. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Now, breaking that statement down, that statement alone is an amazing declaration of truth. The word blessed, once again, means extremely fortunate. Kind of the talk of the town. You're so fortunate that everyone's talking about what's going on in your life. Blessed are the pure in heart. Now, that word pure means no alloys, no mixture. If it's pure gold, that means there's no dross. There are no other minerals inside of that than gold. If it's pure gold. And to have pure gold requires gold to go through a refining process. And to have a pure heart, we can't purify our own hearts. It would be easier for a leopard to change its spots than for a person to change their heart. We can't do it. We can change our minds, but we can't change our heart. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Jesus is saying, blessed are the pure in heart, for they 
will see God. And it's interesting, he's giving an impossibility to people. In essence, he's saying no one here on their own efforts can see God. Because no one, no one can purify or have a pure heart. We cannot accomplish that. Only God can accomplish that. And so Jesus is saying, blessed are the pure in heart, or blessed, fortunate to be envied, are the people that realize they can't do it on their own. And they yield over to God and allow him to do it. Wow. There's a big difference between us trying twice as hard to do something and still not accomplishing it than for us to rest in the fact that someone has accomplished it and that we are relying upon their goodness to see us through the process. It's the difference between wrestling and nestling. Corey Ten Boom, the late Corey Ten Boom, famous statement that she made, I live by it. She goes, pertaining to our relationship with God at times, don't wrestle, nestle. Meaning, don't try to work hard at doing something when really what you are called to do is rest in the fact that it's been done for you. We can't enjoy something if we are working hard for it to be accomplished when in all actuality it's already been accomplished. Jesus is giving good news. In the good news that he's giving, he's saying this, I will make you pure in heart. You see, the people were coming to him. The masses were coming to him. The crowds of people were coming to him. And he was the source for their quest, what they were looking for. He was the answer. He was the source. And they were coming to him. And Jesus said, blessed are these people because they're coming to me. They're not just coming to a religion. They're not just coming to a method. They are coming to me. And they are fortunate and to be envied. He was pointing to his disciples and pointing to the crowd saying, these people that are coming, they are blessed because they're coming to me. That's the secret, coming to Jesus, not coming to a church building, not coming to a group of people, not coming to a set of rules and regulations that we have to work hard at, but coming to Jesus and saying, I trust you, Lord, to be my Savior, to be my Lord. I trust you to be who you said you are. I trust you, God. I put my faith in you. I cease from striving, and I put my faith in you. I've come to the end of myself. I present myself. Lord, please accept me for who I am. I present myself to you. I ask your forgiveness. God, make me yours. Praise God, he does. And that begins the process for us being able to see God. 
Now, granted, we see him, we perceive him, we know him on different levels. That's why the things that we go through, we don't go through them all at once. Because if we went through the purification process all at once, we would be overwhelmed by it. We'd be overcome by it. We couldn't contain it because the amount of work that needs to be done within us needs to be done in stages. We can't handle the amount of effort that it takes for the purification process to actually be lived out. We are made perfect in Jesus. Now we're becoming perfect in our experiences. We are made perfect in Jesus. It is already done. He finished work. He completed what we could not complete. However, now we're in the process of having that become reality, and that process is called sanctification. It's the process of us becoming like God. We behold him to become like him, and we behold him in order for us to have hope, because if we didn't behold him, what would we hold on to? Our own abilities? They fail after a while. If you've been around for any length of time, you realize that even your best efforts fall short because we fall short. We all fall short of the glory of God. But by faith, we have been given the opportunity to receive the grace of God. And that's not by the works we've done. It's a gift so that no one can boast. God loves us and wants us to have a relationship with him and has secured every possible means by which we can not only have a relationship with him, but we can grow in our likeness of be of becoming like him. We can grow in becoming like him. What a powerful lifestyle we've been called to live in. However, it's a process, and sometimes in that process, things take time because we live in the realm of time and space. Sometimes things take time and that timing process can be frustrating if we have the wrong expectations. If we have the expectation that we are going to be in a place where things are going to happen very quickly and they don't, we can lose heart. But if we have the understanding that the cornerstone of our logic, the cornerstone of our thinking is eternal or is eternity, eternity is the cornerstone of all healthy logic because it keeps us from developing short-term goals, short-term benefits, short-term objectives. It's not wrong to have short-term thinking except if that's the only thinking that we have, then it's faulty. The cornerstone of our logic needs to be eternal, so we have long-term thinking. The purification process is an eternal process. We continually become more and more and more like God. We are continually going to become more and more and more like Him because he is continually purifying our lives. He is God. We are not. We are becoming like him. We behold him to become like him. The beautiful dynamic 
that's taking place in this is God has eternity in view. And that is where sometimes we have a clash. When I say beautiful, it's because God is not in a hurry. There is no pressure for time. We're the ones who put pressure on ourselves because we want things done in a certain time frame. To have an eternal mind is to have a mind that is set on things taking place eternally. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God eternally. Not just see God for 10 minutes and get a fix. We will see God eternally. To have an eternal mindset is a very important lifestyle for us to live if we're going to have a lifestyle that is one that we enjoy the outcome instead of being impatient and frustrated and we miss the opportunity to experience the benefits of growth along the way. God wants us to enjoy life. (laughs) Sometimes we're the ones who are putting the screws down and make life difficult, not God. God is not interested in us living a miserly lifestyle. There are pressures that we're going to experience that develop character But it's not God's desire that we would live a lifestyle that is meager, one that is just barely one that can be called an existence, or one that is full of suffering, pain, sorrow, strife, things of that nature. That is not the heartbeat of God. We are called to experience difficulties, but on the other hand, we are called to experience great blessings. Otherwise, Jesus would not have said, Blessed are the pure in heart, even though the process of becoming pure can at times be very difficult. The challenges can be extreme. The heat that comes to purify us is real. The trials that take place are real. The temptations that we experience are real. But God does not just lead us to them. He brings us through them. He delivers us from evil. He brings us through the problem, and there are times where that problem seems to last a little bit longer, or that testing, that challenge, that issue of life lasts longer. Some of you are experiencing that. Please hear me out. Do not lose heart. For those of you who are leaders, and you're not seeing exactly what you thought could be or should be taking place by now, back up and allow God to give you an eternal mindset. Have the cornerstone of your logic be eternal, not temporal, not temporary, not based upon temporary good or temporary goals, but on eternal good, eternal goals. God will demonstrate himself in your life, to your life, through your life, but it's going to be on his calendar, not on yours. And it's important for us to be in a place where we can yield ourselves, not strive, but yield ourselves to perfection. We cannot work our way into perfection, but we can yield ourselves over to the process of being made perfect. That process 
at times is challenging, at times is mundane, at times is difficult, and at times it lasts longer than we would like it to last. However, there is an end to it. And when the end does happen, blessed. <laughs> that blessing takes place. And like in the life of Job, God gave him more in the end than what he had to begin with. And interesting, once we are made whole, the difficulty that we experience leading up to it cannot even match the blessings that are provided once we've gone through it. To go through it, to have that ability to go through things is to have an eternal mindset is to have the cornerstone of our logic based upon eternity and not on just things that are short term. Now, what we're going to be doing moving forward is this element of blessed are the pure in heart. We're going to continue to revisit it down the road, but we're going to move forward now onto the next beatitude that Jesus was talking about, and it is the beatitude of being a peacemaker. And that word peacemaker is a powerful word, and it is literally the result of us having purity in heart. We have the ability to subdue the earth with peace. We can make peace. Not just make peace treaties, but we can actually make peace become manifest, like Jesus was able to manifest peace, where he was able to say to the storm, peace, be still. Or he was able to say, to a demonic power, be quiet. He would subdue it and he would administer peace, being the prince of peace. And when we become peacemakers, we become known as literally children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for the progressive nature of your kingdom, of your life. The progressive dynamic of your life working in us. How you've called us to cease striving and know that you're God. Be still. We say to our surroundings, be still. And know that God is God. I'm not God. The circumstances aren't God. God is God. And he is good. So shalom. Peace. Be still. Father, thank you that you give us power and authority to walk like Jesus. Where we are not left as orphans just to struggle through. And for those who are literally orphaned on this planet, God, I ask you by your spirit to use us to provide comfort, to provide the proper education, to provide clothing, food, shelter, Lord, the blessings that are ours in Jesus, I ask that you would manifest them through us and to the people that are orphaned. But Lord, spiritually, you've not left us as orphans, but you've given us you. You've given us 
your spirit, Holy Spirit, you've come in the name of Jesus to not only comfort us, but to teach us, to guide us, to lead us. Lord, lead us into purity so that we can see God. Like the Greeks said, we would see Jesus. Show us Jesus. Holy Spirit, show us Jesus. Jesus, show us the Father. God, reveal yourself to us so that we can see you, know you, and become like you. Functioning in your kingdom, in your name, in your power, in your authority, as co-heirs with Christ. Lord, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right, folks, I love you. If you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, please feel free to drop us a line at lifearoundthefire at gmail.com. That's all one word, life around the fire, all lowercase, lifearoundthefire at gmail.com. We'd love to get back in touch with you. We will get back in touch with you. In the meantime, God bless you. Adios, amigos.